now, this is Box to Box Stoppage Time with Derek Dyson and Willem van Denderen. Oh, what a goal! For Chemist Warehouse. Great savings every day. And Hoyt's Herbs and Spices. Changing the mood of food. Absolutely fantastic! Hello and welcome to Box to Box Stoppage Time. You're with Willem van Denderen, Michael Edgley and Derek Dyson to review the week that was in football as we select our games, teams and hot topics of the past seven days. Del Boy, we'll start with you in the second division in Scotland, I believe, without further ado. Yes, uh, I think we trailed this one a bit in the main show, but as we do with stoppage time, we always want to make sure that we cover as many leagues as we can and we went for the uh, Scottish Championship and the game between Dundee uh, and Queen's Park and it ended 5 Three in favour of uh, Dundee. And what's our connection, Willem, to the Dundee manager? Uh, well, Michael can explain the, the specific connection, but Gary Bowyer is uh, a friend of the show. He's done many years in the sort of English Championship and, and third tier of my wrong edge. And we had him in studio in Melbourne uh, in 2018, I think it would have been, the, the latter stages of 2018. Yeah, great uh, friend of uh, the, the program, Richard Rutsky, um, the agent from Onside Agency, my colleague. Uh, and um, we do a bit of business together. And Richard's one of his closest friends is Gary Bayer. And um, just before you go on to talk about the game, I'll just uh, relay a little bit of a conversation I had with Richard on the weekend who said that Gary had told him that through the entire season, there'd been one bloke who stands right behind the coach's box at Dundee and had been giving it to him all year. So Gary got to uh, uh, turn around and give it back to him after they won promotion. I think he would have enjoyed that. Yeah, he would have enjoyed the final result, Edge. He probably wouldn't have enjoyed a lot of this game, particularly the first half. Um, it was three all at half time. Uh, this game was played on an artificial pitch. I noticed it straight away when I started watching it. Very level uh, surface there. Really a classic, very small ground. You can see people's housing, housing estates. It's not a very salubrious place. This uh, this uh, this uh, match was played at. Um, it was uh, one all, an amazing goal from Queen's Park and Charlie Fox. I mean, a central defender, left peg, top corner, picked that one out. It was two all after 15 minutes uh, and then uh, managed to get it out to 5-3. Luke McCowan scored the winner. And Owen Coyle is the manager of Queen's Park, if you remember him, from yep. uh, Bolton, Aston Villa possibly as well. Uh, he, he was there looking gutted. At the end, if Queen's Park had won, they would have ended a 65-year run outside of the uh, the top flight. So they will now go into some kind of playoff-type scenario. And uh, Dundee United, I think it's Dens Park is where they play in Dundee. They will be going and joining the likes of Ange Postacoglu and Celtic in the, uh, in the top division. So... Uh, well done, Dundee United, and a fantastic game of football. So I wonder Queen's Park, Jerry, I think, yeah, 1958, as you say, was the last time they were in the top flight. And I think they were also the last side in Scotland to, similar to um, things we've seen play out with uh, with Rugby League and Rugby Union over the years. Uh, when I say over the years, I'm in the 20s. I think they were the last team to retain their, their amateur status. So I think for a long time they neglected to go up. Um, but since that sort of has broken, I think, what are they on? Uh, well, if they can still go up through the playoffs, but they'll be chasing a third consecutive promotion. So, uh, yeah, an interesting history with Queen's Park. Uh, and I've just seen, Ed, you might need to get on the phone to Richard because the bookies have got Bo your favourite for the Blackpool job. He might not even be in the uh, the top flight next season. Yeah, well, you better get him on. Uh, I'll get to Richard to reach out to Gary. Gary will come on the show for us. Yeah, it's a great story. I mean, Gary's just one of those journeymen uh, 
managers. He's, uh, you know, looking to, uh, he's just works his way, Derek, through the uh, lower leagues of English football, making a great career and enjoying life and well done to him. You'd have some, uh, you'd have some stories. Edge, your your game of the week uh, comes from Germany. Yeah, I'm going to the to the Dortmund Wolfsburg game because on paper it looked like a good contest, and Wolfsburg had been in form. They hadn't lost in the last three, but Dortmund absolutely took them to the sword six nil, and they're only one point behind Bayern Munich in the running to the end of the season. So the title's still up for grabs. Uh, Dortmund have Gladbach, Augsburg, and Mainz, um, and uh, Bayern plays Schalke. Leipzig and Köln. Leipzig is at home. That's the game that stands out. That's probably the game that uh, Dortmund fans will be hoping that they might trip up. Um, but uh, the title, Derek, in Germany is going to go down to the wire. It's the first time in a while that that would have happened. And uh, it's the, the grand old uh, combatants of the Bundesliga, Dortmund and Bayern Munich, uh, going all the way to the end of the season, neck and neck. Yeah, good to see. We did we did uh, name check Dortmund a few weeks ago as a uh, as a team of the week when they were sitting on top, and then of course they blew it the following week. But I don't think there are many people outside of Bavaria that uh, would uh, that wouldn't want to see Dortmund's uh, win the league. It would also be interesting to see if it's a kind of final hurrah for Jude Bellingham at the club, the young English player who is catching the eye with so many fantastic box to box, literally midfield performances. Apparently the Big wigs at Madrid have noticed, um, and they're prepared to pay the big money for him as they start the rebuild of their much vaunted but definitely elderly uh, midfields. Um, so yeah, that will be interesting to see. But yeah, well, I think we're all Dortmund fans for the next few, few weeks. Come on, come on. Well said. Now, fair play to them. Um, I think they've drawn two of their previous three. So to just go out there and get it done, six 0 get your work done, shop early and uh, and get out nicely done from Dortmund. Well, Wolfsburg were, were running the substitutions before half time, so <laughs> they were three 0 up uh, very early in the match, and uh, obviously there was a bit of carnage on the Wolfsburg bench. Game of the week domestically, I think pretty obviously was Sydney against the Wanderers, but we've given that one plenty of love, so we'll have a chat about the other one, Adelaide against Wellington. This wasn't a bad game by any stretch, even if it did end up Adelaide two Wellington nil. Two goals for Craig Goodwin Edge. This is uh, this is a Johnny Warren season plus. This is uh, just about as good as we've ever seen. Uh, I can remember the A-League era. You can go back further than that uh, for, for the previous NSL uh, incarnation of our domestic league. But his little mate who rides shotgun, Nestori Iran Kunda, coming off the bench. We talk about them every week, but they continue to make themselves the talking points. And the way he drove forward to uh, eventually set up the second goal, extraordinary. Has he, has he not signed for Bayern Munich? Is it a good move? Not sure, but he's ready for. Uh, he's different to Qual because, as as Vince Rigari's pointed out with us, Qual's quite a, a slight young fellow who apparently has this four year sort of build physically going on with Newcastle. Euron Kunda is ready to go. It's it's whether he's mentally ready is, is the question, but physically he's phenomenal. Yeah, look, the the the, the feedback on Euron Kunda is that he's uh, endurance um, aerobic capacity is uh, a little bit behind the eight ball, but he has this enormous uh, power and speed. Um, that's the sort of feedback. But look, you know, if he goes to Bayern Munich in that, in that system, it would be absolutely wonderful for himself and also Australian football. But I just want to, again, reflect on Craig Goodwin. Um, he, he impressed, didn't he, Willem, at the FIFA World Cup in Qatar. He had a, he's had a great, uh, fantastic season. He won the, um, the Vidmar medal uh, at Adelaide United uh, for the player of the season. Um, and I'd love to see Craig get one more roll of the dice at a reasonable standard overseas because I think it deserves one more big money contract and 
his young family. But uh, Craig Goodwin, was he the difference? And um, can he take Adelaide all the way? We talk about Sydney United, uh, sorry, Sydney FC and uh, LP LaFondra's impact at this stage of the season. But can, can Craig Goodwin take Adelaide United over the top of uh, Central Coast? It'll be a hell of a story. I think he, I think he most certainly could. Uh, a couple of legs against the Mariners will sort that out. The Mariners do have it over them. Twice they've they've scored four, so Adelaide have got to overcome those maybe mental demons to uh, put themselves in the frame. But if anyone's going to do it, as I say, this is better than just player of the season stuff. This is uh, this is all time from Craig Goodwin. Uh, and a note to uh, the manager of Wellington, Rob Gilbert, uh, who will be departing after four seasons. I think he made uh, the finals three times. Uh, but no, well done to Wilfuk Tello. Uh, I think we all think he's got something bigger and better to come, Edge, and uh, exciting to see just what that is. But well, yeah, the Bongo drums are beating. It's been a good bongo, spell with Wellington. The Bongo drums are beating, and apparently he's going to Canberra. He's going to spend a year building the club and then coach Canberra. That's the that's the rumor. In this is the the you know the scuttlebutt that's happening. Uh, will Rob Gilbert slash Wilfuk Tello end up in Canberra? My theme of the week is Huddersfield Town. Um, I've got an affinity with this club. Uh, a good friend of mine uh, at university came from Huddersfield and his friends from up north used to come down frequently to London to Huddersfield away games and let, let me come along with them. We'd get on the beers. We, uh, we went to some amazing and terrible grounds across, across London following Huddersfield. Um, I was there for <clears throat> Andy Boo's last goal for the club, the legendary striker who... Um, who scored a goal in his last game, which made him the, the club's all-time goal scorer at the same time. Um, that was at Brisbane Road, I think, Leighton Orient. So they've come a long way since those days, obviously all the way to the Premier League before they were uh, then relegated and had a bit of a tough time of it coming back down despite all the benefits of the parachute payment and everything else. Um, it, wasn't, it was never a strong team in the Premier League. They're kind of living on their wits rather than kind of star quality but they've managed to save themselves this week and we've mentioned it on the show before Neil Warnock is the manager he's 74 years old he was on holiday in the USA when he got the phone call from Huddersfield to come and save them from uh save them from the abyss of of League One and he's come in and he's and he's done that he's won games he's uh, drawn games there were seven points adrift of safety in March but uh, two defeats in their last 11 matches and the fact that Reading have had a points deduction of six points um, meant that they've pulled off this uh, this remarkable escape. And uh, I think I mentioned it earlier in an earlier show. Uh, Neil Warnock was the Huddersfield manager in 1950, 1995. That would, have been, that would age him quite a bit. 1995, he was the, uh, the manager. And who'd have thought it? 2023, he's still keeping them out of trouble. So well done to the Terriers. They've got a dead rubber now that they can enjoy but that win over Sheffield United has done the job for them and they will be playing championship football for another season. Derek did you ever watch the fly on the wall documentary of Neil Warnock at Sheffield United in around 2004? That's a lot of bollocks you got to die to get three points. Yeah I've seen quite a bit of that footage and I think I must admit he's not my fa- he's not my cup of tea Neil Warnock coming out of the uh, the Arsene Wenger school of management and then him and Wenger clashed many times on the touchline because they're Football philosophies and style, let's say, were quite divergent. But, um, you know, with Roy Hodgson coming back and doing the business at uh, Crystal Palace and then this one, Neil Warnock, I think uh, I think we can say that, you know, there's some 
some oldies, some oldies and some goodies, I think. And <laughs> you've got this uh, frog spawn over managing Tottenham at the moment. What's this face in his mid mid thirties? Uh, and then you've got someone, you know, Mason, and then uh, double is more than double his age. Neil Warnock still doing the business. So well done, Neil. Good job. Uh, I'm going to jump ahead of you in the queue, Michael. My team of the week is Plymouth Argyle. Uh, Seal promotion back to the championship two weeks ago, but this week they make sure they they did it. They they do it in style uh, by winning the division. Uh, they came from behind to beat Port Vale three uh, one. This is now the club of young Kiwi striker Ben Wayne, who we know well from uh, his time with the Phoenix, and he's one player who I actually really wish was Aussie because he's I think he's got a, a big future ahead of him and a natural goal scorer can bang him in. Uh, so they're back into the into the twos for the first time since twenty. 10 uh when they dropped out they went all the way down to league two and then entered administration so yeah on the field it's a good story and off the field Derek I just think it's a fascinating name for a club it's a fascinating um just a, a sort of feel and vibe around the thing uh even the name Argyle uh no one's too sure exactly where it comes from just ripping off the internet one explanation is uh, that they were named after the Argyle and Sutherland Highlanders an army regiment uh, another theory was that maybe the, uh, the the fine gentleman who formed the club had met at the nearby pub, the Argyle Tavern. Uh, the club crest features the Mayflower. Uh, and the city of Plymouth is the largest in England to field a league club to have never hosted a top-flight football side. So they are a division away from getting rid of that sort of unwanted uh, moniker, I suppose. Yeah, they've done... I mean, like, this is another one of these teams that were pretty much in, in the abyss not so long ago where staring that down the barrel of insolvency, dropping out of the Football League entirely. Uh, Steven Schumacher has done a fantastic job there on a, on a pretty lean, mean budget. Um, and, and, and obviously, they've, uh, yeah, they're, they're, they're back into the championship, back into the, back into the mix again for the, for the Premier League. And I think they've pipped it, switched town, who themselves have had a fantastic uh, season as well. A lot of these going around, whether it be the the, Re- the Wrexham and Notts County story. I believe Notts County, by the way, have won their semi-final, so they're one game away from joining joining Wrexham. So let's keep an eye on that. But back to Plymouth Argyle, yeah, never been there. Must be one of the longest away trips for most fans in the UK. Imagine being a Middlesbrough fan next season, having to go away to to, to Plymouth. Um, don't know what the drive is, but let's say a bloody long way. That's Yonks. Edge, what do you got for us? A uh, hot topic for me. Is, no, no, this uh, is your, uh, it's, uh, your team. Oh, my team. Sorry. Yeah, I should say. Sorry, I've jumped ahead of the uh, the running sheet. Sorry about that. Uh, Ura Red Diamonds, the big uh, giant from Tokyo. They won their third AFC Champions League title. They've won in 2007, 2017, and this year, 2023. 2-1 aggregate winners over Al-Halal, um, the seat of power, um, the Asian... Uh, Champions League title coming back to East Asia and Japan. Um, worth reflecting a little bit on the tournament's most valuable player, Hiroki Sakai. Uh, eight and a half years he was in Europe, four with Hanover and four and a half with Marseille in uh, the French First Division, League 1. Um, believe it or not, in the four and a half years that he played at Marseille, he did not miss one league match. He was obviously a regular for the Japanese international team and he's a bit of a hero in that neck of the woods, um, people familiar with uh, um, the geography of um, Japan and the rivalries in football. Uruwa's big local derby is with uh, Kashima Antlers. Kashima only one hour's drive from Uruwa. And uh, that's where he was born and grew up and played his junior football. So 
a local boy from Kashima has made good for the opposition. And the biggest moment in his career was lifting the Asian Champions League trophy um, uh, in a massive win over the uh, Saudi Arabian Giants, Willem. So that's my team of the week. Congratulations to Japan's Ura Red Diamonds, one of the greatest uh, football clubs in Asia. Two goals out of absolutely nothing. The first one uh, was a, a th- this was in the the away leg for Ura, where they were one nil down to an early goal. Uh, really no threat whatsoever to Al Halal until a ball was played back uh, or a through ball. Defender had it covered, tried to turn it towards his keeper, went past him. Keeper turned around, running back towards his own goal. Ball hits the post, goes back past him the other way, uh, and then yeah, it was Hiroki Sakai who uh, stole in first and, uh, and put that one away. No, sorry, Shinzo Kuroki. Sorry, yeah, not Shinzo Sakai. Kuroki, yeah. Excuse yeah. me. Uh, and then uh, the the second goal was uh, an own goal to Andre Carrillo. How do we know him, Edge? It's a good question, William. He was in midfield for Peru, I think, at not only the 2018 World Cup, yeah. but then last year in the uh, in the Middle oh, East wow. through a couple of very fought, uh, toughly fought uh, World Cup qualifiers. He certainly was. So, he did this over in Russia, didn't he? Uh, he did us over in Russia, but then fortunately he was nowhere to be seen in Qatar at the end of the year. Uh, Derek, I'll throw back to you for your hot topic, please. Yeah, I mentioned this during the main show when we were uh, talking all things uh, Aston Villa there with Greg Evans, and that was the announcement of a um, Premier League team of the season. It was announced by EA Sports, so a relatively credible source, but not necessarily, I don't know if that's necessarily the Premier League's one, but it certainly caught uh, a lot of discussion. And just naming that team for you, uh, Aaron's Ramsdale in goal, uh, there was William Saliba and Zinchenko uh, from Arsenal in the defence, along with uh, Kieran Trippier uh, and Ruben uh, Diaz. Um, then in midfield, Kevin De Bruyne um, was playing alongside uh, Odegaard. Uh, there was um, Erling Haaland up front with Marcus Rashford. Uh, Casemiro got into the midfield uh, as well. And Rob will be pleased to hear that Mo Salah also got into the forward line, so 4-3-3, pretty tasty-looking team. Um, my first um, observation before I throw to any general comments or anyone that might have been might have been missed, um, it's just obviously very top-centric. There's four Arsenal players, there's three City players, two Manchester United players, a Newcastle and a Liverpool player. Um, not a lot of not a lot of creative thinking there from EA Sports. <laughs> in terms of who the, uh, the top players have been this season and haven't looked too far down the table. So before I offer any of my own suggestions, I just wonder, Willem, maybe to start with you, uh, what do you think about that team? Is there anyone that should be feeling hard done by there? Yeah, I think you make a good point in that it's the established order and it's a bit dull. And while you might not be able to argue or displace anyone sort of player for player, the more interesting side would to be a second eleven. Uh, what about the boys at Newcastle? Bruno Gimarish and Joe Linton, Derek, they've been pretty dominant and no one would ever have had them near it uh, pre-season. Yeah, I've got a few Arsenal players. I'm sorry, Newcastle players on my list. I think Nick uh, Pope has been excellent. Uh, Dan Byrne and Sven Botman have been think the best Premier League defence defensive pair this season. Um uh, and and yeah, as you said, uh Gimares, amongst others, has been um absolutely fantastic uh for Newcastle as well. Uh Edge, we've got four Arsenal players in there. Um Saka also got into the team. Sorry, I think I missed that off when I was doing my run out rundown. Um any any more from Arsenal that should have been there or any other thoughts on this 
this is so hard because there's so many good players and very hard to um, disagree with uh, your comments and Willem's. Um, now, I, I just think that the, the sort of team of the century, uh, team of the year stuff is um, a little bit semantic. Um, I'm not really that keen on it, Derek, for some reason. It just doesn't register as uh, something that sort of grabs my attention. Um, it's always a, a very difficult uh, thing to do, trying to split the midfields out of the successful teams, for example. I might come back next week. Let's see if I can do this. I'll come up with an alternative team of the season. Uh, I haven't planned it. I haven't planned it yet, but um, I've got some. I've got some ideas uh, for who might get in there, and I'll, I'll try and look across the whole gamut of the Premier League as well. I mean, um, Palinia Fulham has been excellent this season. Casido, in fact, a lot of Bryson players we haven't even mentioned. Matoma has been fabulous up front for them, the Japanese player. Harry Kane is very, very unlucky not to get into this team because he's scored an absolute bag full of goals this season and uh, Spurs probably should have been, would have been relegated if it not been for Harry Kane. And a guy who I don't think gets talked about, and you guys may not have even picked him up, he plays in midfield for a um, uh, for Paul Murphy, he's called Philip Billing. And he has been absolutely sensational this season. And I'd be surprised if he's not picked up by another team. But yeah, take take your point on board, Edge. It is a bit frivolous and trivial, but I think it always creates a good talking point. But I'll come back with a team of the week next week, Jens. That's nice that uh, Billings put it all together. He's been a player of promise for, for years and years. So good to uh, good to see and good to, to watch over the course of the season that he has had uh, that breakout. Edge, let's come back domestically. Uh, the hot topic has been the hot topic for many months. We've been knowing that this is, uh, has been coming to the boil, the grand final decision. We had the women's instalment last week and now the A-League men's final is within three weeks. As I say, hot topic. Well, my hot topic is a big shout out to a friend of the program, Simon Hill, who was on the ABC program Offsiders on Sunday morning. It's quite a significant viewing audience and not a traditional football viewing audience. And um, the community that uh, follows football in this country uh, very closely, uh, who many of would listen to this program, um, I think they might agree with me with this one. We often complain about the coverage of football by the mainstream media. On the Sunday morning after one of the epic, uh, one of the most epic A-League elimination finals we've had in a long time, uh, with all of the emotion of the derby, the rivalry, um, the wonderful narratives throughout the, the game, the comeback by Sydney FC, Ninkovic and, um, and all the, uh, the emotion. At the, what did they uh, want to talk about on Offsiders? They wanted to talk about the, the fan protest, the, the Cove um, deciding to stay away from the match in protest over the A-League's decision to host the grand final in Sydney. And what did Roy Masters and Kelly, and there were two very respected journalists who hold a very big sway, Roy Masters' question to... Well, let's, let's let's take a listen to it, Edge. I think we can play it out. This was on, yeah, the ABC's Offsiders, and this clip comes courtesy of ABC Sport. Why is it that this uh, group of passionate uh, Sydney FC supporters uh, are boycotting it in the sense that uh, they're opposing a New South Wales government ploy or initiative to bring all of the A-League Grand Finals to, to Sydney? Why? Is this some sort of perverted uh, democracy of that, that group? No, it's actually called democracy, Roy. Uh, you know, we have a right to protest in this country. Uh, if we do away with that, then we're living in a dictatorship. So I'm not going to sit here and tell football fans what to do. I'm not saying it's what I would do, necessarily, but, the, you know, the fans are 
angry not only about the grand final decision but also about some promises that were made about fan representation committees which to be fair the APL are now trying to put in place um, but you know if, if they feel that their, their best way of making their voice heard and clearly it is because we're talking about it this morning is to make that sort of protest well you know that that's their prerogative so uh, you know the fans are, pay their money to come and watch their sporting clubs they're not employed uh, by the clubs it's the other way around so, you know, we have to take notice of the fans. Uh, they don't represent all the supporters, um, but they have a right to, to have their views heard. So, um, you know, I'm sure that they were disappointed they missed their, their team's win last night. But, uh, you know, hopefully that situation can be rectified. But, uh, you know, I'm a football fan myself, so uh, I'm not going to sit here and lecture what football fans should do. But it seems so petty. Supposedly they gathered at a pub together to watch it. Um, and the fact that the decision was made to hold the grand final in Sydney. This is a local Sydney FC team that's protesting, and they're the ones that miss out. The fans miss out. Yeah, but we're not just a Sydney league, Kelly. Uh, you know, the, the, this is a, a national competition, and there's a lot of supporters around the country that were unhappy with this decision. Again, I'm not saying that I think the boycott is, is something that I would do. The, the one other thing I would say is that, you know, I protested about lots of things uh, about my football club back in the day, we're normally bad managers and awful chairman. Uh, and we went, you know, taking placards and chanted things and booed, etc., etc. Unfortunately, in Australia, you know, football fans who protest tend to get labelled as, as hooligans and, uh, you know, run the risk of arrest with police. So maybe this, you know, they felt that this was their only way of making a protest. It was peaceful. You know, it was, they weren't there, so they weren't causing any trouble. Um, and I, I've just been, I've been a little bit annoyed by some of the, the, the reaction to it this week. And I say, I'm not saying I agree with, with the way that they've chosen to protest, but if you live in a democracy, people have a right to have their views heard. Otherwise, we're in a dictatorship, and that's not right. Well, Roy Masters uh, insinuated that the Cove, uh, the Cove members were some sort of perverted democracy, and Kelly Underwood call them petty. Um, it is quite extraordinary that journalists of that ilk would have a, such a great misunderstanding of the issue and the significance of the fact that uh, as long as the, uh, the the national competition in Australia's had finals, the team that finished on top and won the right to host the final, host the final. It's been a, a, a nuanced um, advantage that our sport has had over the, the other codes where there is a static grand final, MCG and in Sydney, for example. So, yeah, I'm just extremely disappointed. And I just want to congratulate Simon Hill, who eloquently and purposefully took them on and uh, and helped uh, educate the viewing audience about some of these uh, nuances. So, yeah, it's just one of those ones that stood out to me. Again, football being done over by mainstream journalists, really not doing their job. Yeah, I, I don't think the issue, Edge, is that they wanted to talk about it. I think, unfortunately, that absolutely is the story. This grand final decision has meant that we don't get to enjoy and revel and, and sort of indulge in the football narratives that, like we enjoy, like a come-from-behind win at halftime, Ninkovic's return, Lafondra out injured all season, five goals from five. They're the football stories that need to be promoted, but unfortunately, this decision has completely overshadowed it. So I don't think the issue is that they wanted to talk about it. But then from there, as you say, they evidently hadn't done the research and totally failed to understand why it is such a, a divisive issue. Um, yeah, I think that that's probably where I stand on it. If you wanted to jump in again, or I'll move on to mine. No, no, I think that was just a, a worth sort of highlighting in uh, 
in our hot topic and well done to Simon Hill for um, you know help educating a wider audience about the nuances of uh, why the fans are protesting and uh, the significance of it and um, a bit of a clip for Roy Masters and Kelly Underwood who um, inferred some pretty ordinary things on the fans who hold a very important place in our sport. Yeah, Simon remains our most important voice. Not only does he understand the game, but he understands the media and where it sits within it. Um, and he's always excellent when he uh, jumps on on offsiders. I mean, he's great on any show he goes on, but usually the shows he goes on, whether it be his or whether it be ours, he sort of knows where we're coming from. But with that one, he's often playing, you know, the bat down the wicket. So, no, he's done well once again. Thank you guys once again. Make sure that you, the listeners out there, uh, please do subscribe to box to box and box to box Stoppage Time wherever you get your podcasts. You can tweet us on box to box nts if you have a hot topic. You can jump in our, uh, in our direct messages, uh, like us on Facebook and uh, jump on our website as well and enjoy our written content. And make sure you do join us next week on the main show when Rob Gilbert will be back and we'll go from one end of the pitch to the other in the world game.